Please spread the word about my shows. I'm an independent creator and I would really appreciate it. I make K-pop guides, as well as I have exclusive interviews with songwriters, journalists, the artists themselves, best new music roundup episodes, artist-specific deep dive episodes, episodes about the history of K-pop, all sorts of content is covered. So to get your fill and support an independent creator, please check out 17 Karat K-pop wherever you get your podcasts, and view an episode guide at howtostand.substack.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to 17 Karat K-pop. Now it's finally time to talk about what I wrote about at howtostand.substack.com, my top 10 list of best moments, most noteworthy details about N-Hyphen's Manifesto World Tour stop in Chicago, plus then a more in-depth review of their storytelling, more of a just an analysis of their discography and how they brought it to life with the live show. Kind of going off of what I said in that piece and adding some more commentary. More of my recent thoughts on N-Hyphen's story and how they really brought it to life in such an impressive way on tour. For the full backstory though, if you're confused at any point, remember that all the context, the groundwork of their music video universe, and their literary references, again I'll summarize now, but I did lay out in detail in the episode called N-Hyphen's Dual Worlds, as well as a manifesto-specific episode. Without further ado, here's what else I have to say about N-Hyphen's concert. First of all, even if you're just a casual fan of an artist, I cannot praise the Wintrust Arena enough. No matter where you are in the venue, you can be way up in the back like I was this time. I was just going as a fan. I wasn't pressed for this. I still wrote about it because I had to. Writing is my outlet for that. But I was just way in the back. Way, way, way in the back. Literally, second to last row, on the highest level of this place, I remember it was such a mad dash for tickets. I didn't want to take my chances and give those up and click on a different option. So I'm like, fine, whatever. I'm in the venue. I'll take the first offer I get from AXS.com. So the whole time I had low expectations, just I'll be happy to be there. It was kind of like when I saw an hyphen. I have to brag a minute because I saw them three times now at the KCON concert, at KCON itself, and now in concert in Chicago. But anyway, I figured it was going to be like it was when I saw them at the selfie video filming event at KCON, where I'm just way, way, way in the back, just happy to be there, can't see a thing, but I know they're there, and that feels special. We're in the same room. I felt like it would be that way again, but no, this venue is so well done. ATs will be there next month, hopefully more K-pop in the future. I saw Twice there on the Twice Lights tour. It's a wonderful venue for K-pop because it really does feel intimate and special, and you can see people. From way high up, I could see them, like as real people, as full humans, not just specks of dust or whatever. They didn't look so microscopic. It's just got a unique funnel structure to the venue, so you could be up really high and see a really sweet view of the whole place. I actually got a better view, probably, of all the cool formations and stuff than the floor level people did. So don't count out the back row of a venue, period, but especially a new venue like Wintrust Arena. New venues know how to create a vibe more, that intimate feel despite so many seats. And they know more about acoustics now. So when designing new venues, they just know how to make every seat in the house be a decent one. My question of the day, of course, will have to be if you saw them on tour, and if so, what are your personal highlights from that? Would also be curious to know if your bias changed after watching them live. And also, are there any other people who loved Cody Simpson as a teenager in his early pop days and now are Aussie-biased K-pop fans? I can't be the only one. 
love Jake from Inhyphen now. He was the one I was drawn to, and I wonder if that's because of my good memories of Cody Simpson shows when I was younger. Anyway, Jake is still my bias, but Nikki in person is truly unreal. His hair, his expressions, he's such a model, just a freaking work of art. And Sunny was really trying to be my bias record too. Really, very just cute. He still has such a baby face, I love it. While we're talking about moments from individual members, he soon really rocks during Shoutout. That's his song. His outfit during that, his notes he hits during that. Just something about that song is perfect for him. Really hope he soon does some more pop-punk-focused stuff in the future. Maybe in a subunit, maybe just solo, but that is his sweet spot. Also in order, a moment of appreciation for the songs they didn't perform. I looked through their discography. Besides some intros and outros, OSTs, the super new song Make the Change, the only other songs they did not perform, I Need the Light, Forget Me Not, 10 Months, Blockbuster, and Always. That was it. It was much quicker to list that than what they did perform. They did most of their songs. So I was honestly glad they didn't do unit stages or covers. It was just a full seven-member celebration of how far they've come in their discography so far. It also helped not have unit stages to keep a cool, cohesive story together. Now I'd like to recap the show for you, really walking through how their story really was crystallized to me through the live show. It really made me realize, oh, I get it now in a new way. Really incredible job. This is kind of how all my theories from previous and hyphen episodes felt like they were coming full circle, making more sense, even to me. First up, a dramatic entrance, as the members had the intro that started it all. The very first monologue for Border Day 1 was played over the speakers, setting the scene with that critical monologue with the rugged woods at our back we greet the sun. I'm skimming a bit, but going off the top of my head, we walk the long drawn-out line that cuts across the vast land because the world carved us on that line. Where do our footprints step to? What sky spreads at the end of it? Even if the world that unfolds is not what we are given to the unknown we run, carving sunrise, burning bright across the world. Basically, we are destined to start this journey on the line we have been carved into. Fate has been written for us, drew us on this line. We're going to follow our obligations, our societal expectations. Even if it's not what's given to us, key word there, because now they're saying, well, then we're going to take it. If it's not given, it'll be taken. Let's do that. Just because our starting point was not up to us, our ending point is. Then came their debut single, Give and Taken. Both on the debut album it came next, and as part of the live show. The members pretty overtly, in the music video, grapple with fate. What that really means. The word fate written in blood is a telltale sign that's symbolic. Of course, then we're introduced to the vampire premise, the supernatural elements of what they're doing, the fancy mansion setting, the time travel concept, with the home movie footage. That kind of came to life on stage just because they had the key tower in that video, the one where every window has a light lit up inside, like the room behind each window had the light on in it. But the tower is crumbling. That key tower was part of the background image on screen as they repeated the iconic choreography for Give and Taken, including those really key symbolic moves where they kind of move as one big organism. 
they continue to stay true to their source material themselves with the next song flicker also from their debut release and that song's about sending a secret message to someone once you sort of have your bearings figure out what's going on you take that flickering moment a flicker of understanding and seize that opportunity seize that chance to connect with someone maybe who isn't where you are on your set carved line but you find a way moments to break through to them anyway the next song they sang was kind of a mashup between Not For Sale and Let Me In, a Border Day 1 release with a Border Carnival release. What I loved is that when they did jump forward in the discography chronology, it was always intentional. So when it wasn't going in order of release, earliest to most recent, to keep the story going clearly, it was purposeful thematically, like showing, hey, we have this parallel between eras. And Not For Sale is about similar subject matter, talking about a world made of price tags and how the one thing the world cannot ruin and commodify is love. And basically they say in Not For Sale, the price tag of my love ripped off all of a sudden by this unfamiliar warmth. Unexpected feeling ripped that right off. And to combine that with Let Me In was interesting for the live mashup because that song's about trying to pursue that genuine connection with someone that can't be bought or forced. It just sort of naturally happens. And that's what the members kind of experience in the video. They have moments where they feel kind of alien to each other and their surroundings or feel like ghosts, but other moments where they just goof off and have fun together. They're figuring out how to make those moments last longer and appear more frequently. Pursuing a sweet love story kept up the theme thematically on their next live track, That Feeling When, where they sing about, I want to give you this funny feeling. No expression can explain this feeling. Rather than sloppy words, I want to give you this nervousness. They want to transmit to you that buzzy feeling of being in love, regardless of any specific compliment. What's most important is what cannot be spoken, but felt. It's a much deeper song than you remember, and they brought it to life in a really cute way. This is when Sunu started to really, really charm me during the show, but they all looked really sweet when they were singing this in front of these floral backgrounds. They continue to cherish this love story with the next live song, Upper Side Dreaming. A song about feeling like you're in this dreamy haze, you're worried will disappear. Someone needs to pinch you but you're just going to soak in this dream while it lasts. And that becomes kind of a premonition that you needed to just enjoy goodness while it lasted because it would be over before you know it. Turned out to be foreshadowing because the next song, Mixed Up, which is a song all about being sick of your narrative, being taken over by others, rewritten. You're no longer the main character in your story or in the right story. A specific lyric is, I became the main character without even knowing. It's about internet gossip, rumors, facing an endless barrage of commentary. This was the perfect place for the end of part one out of three in their concert. And then they played the VCR with a ton of Easter eggs in it. The most notable ones, yes, I took notes watching because I'm a nerd and obsessed with their music video world. In the VCR, the most notable, I think for later, will be how they started out in their regal ensembles, the ivory and gold, surrounded by blue flowers. And the clock said 8 o'clock, I think. It was a quick flash. Could be wrong, I'm pretty sure. Chronology-wise, we should remember this is 8 o'clock. But then things turn red. Blood stains the scene. The moon turns red. The sky turns black. 
Blood drips out of Heesun's mouth. Yes, if you're squeamish about things like their Drunk Dazed video, the show actually had some of that bloodiness to it too, so sorry. The liquid turns red, which is interesting considering the blue liquid was what was symbolic in previous releases. Part 2 kicked off their vampire alter ego, Time to Shine. The stage turned dark, this castle imagery, sometimes walls of flames accompanying it, filled the screen. At times they all danced on top of the big fancy dining table that became a big symbol in their VCR, as well as previous videos. They're back in that mansion setting, brought to life on stage. They're at that bloody birthday party they were invited to in the Drunk Dazed video. They also wore really cool new outfits, changing into these dark red flowy sleeve tops with black pants. Trust me, it looked really cool. I'm not describing it right, but it looked more exciting than I'm making it sound. But anyway, Drunk Days was the best performance to be positioned so far back and high up like me because I saw the whole clock formation dance move, the incredibly high energy jumping moves, that chorus just goes off. Really respect it even more now. Honestly, I think the show solidified for me that I'm most impressed by Drunk Dazed out of all their dance routines. Look Dan was amazing, and they really left it all on the stage. Next, they perform One in a Billion, their new webtoon Dark Moon OST, which was just perfect. It was really exciting and it fit into this part of the show so seamlessly, thematically. And thematically, in the lyrics too, not just the live show, their story, which at this point is about, okay, we're walking down this predetermined line of fate, and we're getting frustrated, confused, discombobulated about what's the point of continuing to follow this path, what's going on, what are the roads could I take, what are the pros and cons of each road, that's what this drunk dazed era is all about, that state of confusion, before you have the clarity of realizing you cannot follow the line. Well, we'll get to that, but at this point, they're in the stage of confusion. One in a billion fits well with that, where they say, well, things are very uncertain, but one part of fate we don't need to worry about is destiny, us being together. So at least you have the constant in your life that a relationship brings. That's an anchor, at least. Then they performed the extended choreo version of Fever and were just mesmerizing. Again, kind of moving at points, like a single organism. That was the routine that required the most trust, the most teamwork, the most balancing literally off of each other. Really, really cool. Another great one to watch from a super high height. And this extended choreo routine that focused on that group formation, that group identity, moving in sync with each other, was an interesting way to get across the same message as the Fever video, which shows them trying to help each other trying to cling to what they know, but not escaping and getting pulled by forces out of their control. They don't know how much more of this they can take, and so that's why it made sense that their next song choice was Attention Please, which is crying out for someone to notice you, help you deal with these conflicting, intense feelings as you pursue your dreams, just really desperately reaching for a hand to hold to go on this lonely, scary path with you. This sense of worry and desperation that the song is all about, they brought to life in a really interesting way. With a set design that is really hard to explain, it was just so interesting because they were in a classroom setting. They were behind a wall with a graffiti image, and for each member singing, whenever it was their solo, suddenly their part of the graffiti wall became transparent. 
in a way that made it look like they were almost in a jail cell or something. They were trapped behind the glass wall of the background screen. And then it was like nothing happened, and they would go back to their image being covered up with the graffiti print. So one by one, they were trying to kind of break out from the predetermined line they're walking down that does not give them a sense of passion, purpose, excitement, energy. But then by the end of the performance, they do away with that screen entirely, break out, and moved away from the school setup closer to the front of the stage. That was a nice transition between the songs about that intense angst and also being a song about wanting that hand to hold as you walk down this angst-driven path in life. Great transition song because next came Polaroid Love. Really such a classic. One of those songs that they will always be known for. That's just one of their signature songs now. Love it so much. Really special. And the perfect song for them to sing as they went into the crowd. They brought selfie video cameras and gave a lot of people a free high-touch experience as they passed. Kind of a repeat of how I felt at the selfie filming at KCON. I'm there somewhere in the background. And they kept up sentimental vibes with the song just a little bit before the last song in part two, Tame Dashed. This moment really felt like they wanted to highlight the contrast between their vampire by night selves and their crushing schoolboy innocent vibe by day. Because now they're back to being on a football field setting at a school, wearing their sequin covered jerseys, looking like typical high school students. No vampires or supernatural forces here. But the background screen behind their football field performance, there was another screen behind it. So behind the football image was an image of a full moon and a very ominous dark sky. The kind of moon they've seen during moments, not werewolf moments, but almost werewolf-esque, where their real inner vampires come out in full force, where the supernatural powers are at their peak. That ominous alternate world lingered over them. So even when they're singing their more carefree stuff, there is ominous feeling in the air. Which is similar to the release of Tame Dashed in its video, because that concept, although it seemed like a turn for the lighter and more summary, they kept it full of deeper meaning with the teasers being named after Greek mythology characters, representing a raging whirlpool, and stuff like that. The allegories were strong. The next VCR picked up right where the last one left off. Now there was this red, bloody scene, roses, fire... Red full moon. But then, things changed again. One of the members looked like he was being put under hypnosis, while another was getting the bloody birthday party invite. The back row went all matrixy, and they suddenly stood amid the red roses again, now in all white outfits. All cleaned up, no more blood, and they slowly started to push open a door into a new world. The blood that was going into a glass... Definitely was a nod to the goblet scene in Drunk Dazed. And it was cool that there was a hidden reference to their next song, because in a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment, a piece of paper one of them held said, Was it blessing? And they have to consider that. What new world are they stepping into? Is it a blessed world or the opposite? That state of high risk and high reward kicked off Chapter 3 with Blessed Cursed. And they definitely helped bring that exciting video to life. The same background was on the screen, but tilted at different angles. So watching did feel dizzying, kind of discombobulating, like watching the video did. Watching it live kept that sense of instability. 
The song is about this skepticism towards the answers you're told. You're starting to question this line you've been going down and the trauma it has put you through and realizing, wait, I don't need this. I can stop this line, create my own, this isn't worth it. That's what the chorus says. It says, liar beyond that light, we fade into reality. Between these lies, we dive into this real life and I walk like a lion. I'm making my own history. I don't know answers, I just go my own way. Boundaries holding me. And then they say, discard the rules and do your own thing. They fully really say, yes, I'm sure I'm committing to that new goal to just totally abandon this line, do my own thing, even though it's really scary and daunting. On the next song, Go Big or Go Home. With lyrics like, a life like a Russian roulette that I can't refuse, the message came through loud and clear of their new all-or-nothing mentality. And they once again emphasized their new view here by making the next song from their album, Manifesto, with Future Perfect, Pass the Mic. Before they said in a lyric about walking like a lion that they were writing their own history. Now in Future Perfect they say, I'm out of your enclosure, like they were just zoo animals, and now can stand on their own two feet. I love the lyric, thanks for all your flack, you help stoke my myth. So now they're referencing the the gossip, the rumors created about them, like they sang about in the early days on Mixed Up. But now they're saying, you know what, thanks for that. You helped me realize who I really am, aside from the rumors. It put into focus for me who I really am. While they do this, it's almost like in the music videos they made peace with their alter ego selves. Because now they sing about willingly being the main characters in their own story and flex the superpowers that they had previously. So it's like the worlds are merging as their identities do and as they develop pride and clarity over the identities of both parts of themselves. The fact they performed a reprise of Future Perfect later in the show also kept that message strong about we went from following the line, following orders, to an inner conflict, raising questions, starting to suspect this line we were told to follow, not exactly what they said it was, to gaining the courage to, with the help of each other, break out of those lines, those boxes entirely and create their own paradigm. And now doing so is exciting rather than scary. And they sing about that now unapologetic stance on the next songs they performed, Paradox Invasion and Shoutout. These kicked off the encore. So after this journey of self-discovery throughout the set list, they reached the encore re-emphasizing the moral of the story from Past the Mic, heralding in, in their own words, the logic of a new era. We are free. Illogic is logic. Now they're so relieved they chose to break out of previous thought confines that had defined earlier musical eras. That message is loud and clear, once again on shoutout, with lyrics including, I'm getting sick of all kinds of people's words. Who on earth defines myself? The fake paradigm that locked me up. Beyond the borderline, drawn by someone. I shout out. I'm all for myself. This is our universe. Whoever is aware of it. Just this free moment, you and me. A voice that grows as one, the world shakes louder. Shout out loud till the end of time, the story of you and I. That's what I love too, is in the encore, their message became not just we figured out who we are, but you are going to figure out who you are too. You're on this road with us. We can do this together about unity and the strength in that. 
we're all walking out of thought confines society was expecting us to stay put in. It was very sweet as well because the lyric from this song was turned into the banners that all of us held up for the special surprise ending. And our banners for Chicago said, this is the story of N hyphen and N gene. The story of you and I, like they say, the story of us and them together. That's what their whole motto as a group was always about. Trying to bring to life, in a very fantastical way, stories with a moral core about, like a hyphen, joining people together. I love, love, love so much the foreshadow monologue, which played out the show. So I'm just going to read it to you because I just love it. It's so well put. Such poetry. Really made me think. Quote, days being chased, days being knocked down, and finally, that first day of declaration. Those days fell into place one by one, like pieces of a puzzle, until one day, a lawn shadow fell before my eyes. A shadow in front of me, no matter where the sun was. I realized that moment that the infinitely deep, deep well of a shadow was the foreshadowing of the things to come. Ushering the approaching rainstorm and typhoon is the fate of the person who sees it first. But would saying that it's merely a struggle to keep our promise strengthen the trust that we shared? I still believe, I still firmly believe, we can still meet. We will connect, no matter what. Foreshadow ahead of me. Tomorrow, I realized ahead of time, I am no longer afraid. Even when the world tests me, the days of promise will come. Please follow my footsteps, and follow me too, to our world. I chase after the shadow, run toward the new world, I'll find at the end of the shadow. Till then, even through the world, shrouded in the shadow, might be cold, painful, and a little lonely, I'll be the first to sprint ahead. Because the one true ending, that splendid future, waits for us, unquote. No matter how high the stakes, they'll be first in line, knowing that it'll be worth the struggle. And I love so much how, even after their encore performances, was one more VCR because it really just tied a bow on this movie-slash-musical I had just watched unfold all night. Really kept it off full circle, with a final image of, even after all the encores, they were all done performing, but there was one last clip where we saw them officially enter, walk past the larger-than-life doors into a new world, a blinding light behind them on the other side of the door, stepping into that future together as one. Which again is why I loved the reason they didn't have any group or subunit performances this time. Those are always cool at concerts, but they kept the theme super cohesive and focused on being that symbolic hyphen, connecting people, walking in unison, through all seven showing up for each song. They really brought to life the theme of their music video story and the theme of just a live show. They paralleled their own source material really well. In the outfit changes, in the setless structure, this was a very carefully thought-out show that was just so perfect in sync with the music video universe. Really helped clarify the meaning of both. Both came through loud and clear. So for a first world tour, to make their identity as a group known and established, they aced that assignment, for sure. So in future and hyphen releases, be it a music video, another live performance, pay attention to detail. Little Easter eggs are there all the time. And especially on those background screens where you may see future nods to the vampiric forces afoot or the quote-unquote normal life day-to-day -day images. Those merge a lot. The full moon also keeps showing up in dramatic moments. 
So there's just a lot to the story, always. Lots going on in their story, lots to interpret. So you really gotta just sit with it, rewatch it, and really give it the thought and appreciation it deserves. So that's my overall take on the show, is that I think it was very entertaining for everyone, but especially if you're a fan of their music video universe, because they stay loyal to it, and they brought it to life in some surprising, exciting ways. It really reinforced to me why I'm a fan, why I think they've got a very special artistic touch and a very personal, unique story and aesthetic, and why I think their story is also so universal and has been succeeding at their goal of connecting so many people. So stellar job, and hyphen Really love the show and can't wait to see you again. Let me know your thoughts about their tour. I think they just have such a bright future. It's so exciting to think this is only their first tour. They have many more to come, hopefully. Again, more on the show on my Substack as well as 17karatkpop.weebly.com. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody.